You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. I love the dick belt. It's a belt. Sorry, my accent is not good, so I'm trying. You know the beard, the hair on the chin? (laughs) It's a beard of the dicks. If you try and order an oat milk latte in Paris, what do they say? No. <laughs> no only milk, the animal with the teeth. <laughs> if it the, ain't from a teat, it's no not teat milk. No milk is not milk. It's oat water. <laughs> <laughs> it's oat o. Oat, 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 oat. Folks, I don't know how we got here. Bonjour, this is the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. And, uh, Et aujourd'hui, je veux parler... I'm sorry, I, I default back to my original language. <laughs> um, the wonderful Luna Matatas is here today. <laughs> she drew the penis on my chapeau. I'm sorry, my head. <laughs> Uh, today. <laughs> We're at the Sexology Summit in D.C., and Luna took a picture of Brandon to post on Instagram, and I don't know why she put so many eggplants on his head. It was very many eggplants. I why enjoyed it very much. <laughs> what is the Merci. perfect amount of dicks on your head? Um, in this particular instance, it was perhaps seven. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is it seven because ice cream doesn't have bones? Because, yes, that is correct. And oats do not have teats to milk. No oat milk. Listen, our job as podcast host is, you know, it's really to make our guests shine, but this is all the Brandon show. I'm You're okay with welcome this. today. Il y a vraiment des personnes who are going to tune out of this just to get away from your voice. So Luna Matadas is here. She's a superstar. You're an absolute superstar. Anytime I can't make something or even if I don't think I'm right, the right fit for it, Luna is my number one pick to stand in and every client raves about her every brand is thrilled with her and you have basically a gazillion webinars online everything from eat pussy like a champ to dominant skills do you do anything on submission i do i have sexy skills for submissives and dirty talk for submissives mm, are you a switch i am a switch i'm a okay. really switch i have a switch skills class Oh, you have a switch skills class. And then you have, do you have like dick pleasure classes as well? Yes. Uh, BJ like a boss, uh, penis pleasure, hand job skills. Hang on. Do you have any courses that don't involve alliteration? All alliteration, all the time. What's your favorite course that you teach? Oh my gosh. That's so hard to play favorite. Eat pussy like champ. <laughs> Definitely. I want to bring the world of cunnilingus skills and upgrade. I love that. I love that. Now we're here at the conference. We've already been to a few sessions together. We've interrupted, been a general pain in the butt. What have you, what's been your takeaway so far? I think we're in a really cool community. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so cool. Everyone's doing really innovative stuff. They are challenging norms and ideas. And so I'm just so happy to be around people that are trying to change the world. It's it's such a weird thing to always feel like you're a lone wolf out in the world and then to come together with people in your field and just kind of let out this exhale because you don't have to explain anything. They're ruined just like you are. (laughs) Yeah. Dildos on the desk. I think our conference has already been asked to put up some curtains because of some of the videos playing in the background. Meanwhile, I'd like the conference next to us to put up some curtains so I don't have to watch their boring ass videos. Same. It's killing my boner. (laughs) Exactly. All right. We're going to talk rimming because I got a really straightforward question about rimming skills. Before we dive into that, one thing that's really, I think, come hard at us over the last 365 days is the mainstream. 
of our industry. So even, I got to tell you, many, many years ago, before I even got into this field, I wanted to open a sex toy store. And I started to write the business plan and try and do market research. And there was no research available. I could not find anything about the sex toy market size. And so we know that this year it's estimated in the range of $33 billion. It's, uh, no, this year, sorry, $35 billion. I think last year was 33 And the growth, the sex toy market is expected to grow at a compound annual rate of 8.5% and reach $62.3 billion. What? By 20. How many of those billion do you want? Six. <laughs> That's a lot of... Uh... Dildo billions. That's a lot of. That was brutal. No, no, dildo, that was brutal. Dildo billions. Leave that in. Yes. <laughs> Leave that in. So mainstreaming. Now they sell sex toys at Target, at Walmart, uh, at Saks. I hear Bloomy's about to be in, like, do some launching. I maybe I shouldn't say too much. We'll let them do their own announcing. But super exciting stuff on the horizon. And I think that for those of us who have been in the field and kind of fighting, I feel like we've been swimming upstream for ten years or, or longer. Some of us. I'm like the grandma at this conference. I didn't even want to say more than 10 years, but I've been in this a while. We've been fighting, right? We can't post certain things. We certainly can't advertise. And now that the big players are in the game, the tides are shifting. And I think that this is a good thing overall, but I'm curious as to what your take is on it. Do you think that certain people, certain size ventures are going to benefit more than others? Yeah, I, I think in some ways it's great that we're starting to see sex toys at Target that are really good quality mm -hmm. and that are based by sexologists and consider things like pleasure and body safety. And so it's great to see it be more accessible to the, the average person that's not finding you, that's not finding me, thanks to Instagram censorship. <laughs> but um, Shadow banned. You know, yeah, all the time. And But I, I think there's something about those that hierarchy growing and creating even less space for, for people that are all already marginalized so I mean I wake up every day and worry that my Instagram account is going to be taken down and I it just, has been it has been yeah and I just want to show people where their clit is like mm -hmm. what am I what am I doing so I, I think it would be great if if that stuff trickled down mm -hmm. and if we started to see a lessening of censorship but I don't feel hopeful I think there's a lot of privilege that that is associated with this opening up this accessibility this frontline stuff there's a lot of money that's associated with it so who gets access to that is is very limited yeah because it's not necessarily going to sex educators I'm I'm actually seeing people want to lowball me with rates because now let's just call them mainstream influencers are in the game. And I'm, I'm not in the business of influencing at all. However, we do take sponsorships at times when it aligns with, with our mission, with our goals. And I've noticed that the rates are going down because now the pool is so much bigger. They used to be really focused on core messaging, on people who can create educational content. And now they just want you to hold up a, a toy and be like, you should buy this dildo um, without maybe understanding the background. So I I'm, I'm still a little bit optimistic that it's going to be shifting back to good quality content, but I, I guess it's yet to be seen. Yeah, I like your hopefulness. You know I, I, I hope it does. Yeah, I'll be the <laughs> hater. You be the hopeful. Do you think that the, the introduction of these sex toys into more mainstream um, shopping areas is going to result in the, the, the kind of the acceptance? The, you know, when I think about, I'm, I'm thinking about booze, okay? And I think about when you make alcohol. I love booze. Yes, I know. We know. We know. Luna we know. doesn't, Luna doesn't love booze. you think about like alcohol and, and how you... you you can't, as an American, you can't buy it until 21, Canadian, 18 or 19 years old, and how there's this binging, this overconsumption. Do you think that the introduction of sex toys into Walmart and other 
other places will, you know, improve our acceptance of sex and enjoyment and pleasure? Or do you think it's going to be more divisive where people are going to avoid certain aisles of certain stores? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I see people avoiding the condom aisle at, you know, the drugstore and (laughs) needing the thing but not wanting to go there. Well, isn't it awkward? I mean, I remember it being awkward walking through the condom section as as a young adolescent. Because you didn't have anyone to have sex with? Because I didn't know what it was for. I was like, what's that? Why am I putting a balloon on my penis? No, but walking through those aisles at the pharmacy or or wherever it was with my parents and being, oh my gosh, we got to hurry up and walk through here as opposed to, hey, what's that? Oh, that's a condom. And when you have sex with somebody else, you wear that to protect yourself. And, you know, that being an opportunity to have a conversation, whereas now you're going to see a lot more of that in, you you know, all sorts of stores as opposed to hidden away back in a corner. So I'm just wondering, do you think people will avoid or do you think they'll be like, okay, let's use this as as an opportunity to have a conversation? And then, you know, maybe the world gets a little bit better or will it be the opposite? Ooh, that's a really good question because I I think that even having it more accessible in places that are are easy to get to and that don't feel like seedy sex shops, which people picture where they have to buy things. And when you're buying things online, maybe you don't get to touch it or see the actual size or to to have that that experience of, oh, I'm just going out to buy something and I happen to get a vibrator. I'm not sure if people will will have conversations at first. I think think we'd need to see it in more places and maybe it would take a lot more time. I'd also like to see better quality lube come into these these more mainstream accessible places like we have very limited options for lube even in the drugstores it's it's really the selection is not um, representative of everything great that's out there well even even this I mean I agree with you I think about going to local sex stores and being able to having somebody knowledgeable walking you through and showing you hey this sex toy that sex toy I I feel like even though it's getting better there's still um, I would love to go somewhere and have somebody say here's lube samples like there is you know makeup samples or cream samples anywhere and it's like here's the difference and this is why this one works for this and that one works for that i got a big sample bag from cvs the other day because of free stuff and uh, it had a whole bunch of stuff in it it had like different creams it had some sort of eye drops and there was a lube sample and there was an astroglide lube sample so and i was surprised because i feel like five years ago companies like astroglide would have tried to get in there and they would have been told oh no god forbid somebody actually like pull this out and feel like oh i also like sex or I have to answer questions around this. You know, one of the things that that seems very obvious to me is that the staff at Target, the staff at department stores is less likely to have any training in these products. But I think what offsets that is that some of these brands like the sexologist led brands or at least brands that invest in having sex researchers or sexologists on staff or at least on retainer, they've created communities online. So there's a lot of education where you can kind of know what you're going to buy before you buy it. So I think I think I don't know. I believe we're moving in the right direction. I just really hope that it, I'll be honest, I hope it doesn't get all eaten up by PE money because anybody, you know, looks at economics of any industry, like I was reading about franchises, reading about, you know, preschools, et cetera, gyms for kids. When it gets eaten up, probably people know what I'm talking about, that recent article in the Times. But when PE money comes in, the only focus is growth. I, I'm smiling because I have. I think whenever you say PE money, I don't think private equity. I always think <gasps> premature ejaculation. <laughs> I thought whenever physical pre- education. <laughs> oh, sorry, kids. <laughs> but PE, private equity money. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Brandon here to, to define. All right. So we've taken lots of Luna's time and now we need to get to one of her many skills, rimming. So first of all, you have a course called Eat Booty Like a Champ. And you're going to share some of the highlights from that. And then people can go check out the full video course where I think pedagogically you're going to learn more on video than you are on audio. So 
tell us from the beginning, like what do we need to know about rimming? Okay, so rimming, sometimes known as uh, butt munching or eating it like groceries <laughs> or analingus, is oral sex to the anus. So we're talking about the butthole mostly. It's a mostly external play, although some people may involve uh, penetration with their tongue. There's so many nerve endings on that cute little butthole, all those cute little crinkles. So it's a very sensation-rich area, which makes sense why people get so much pleasure out of it. You can definitely have rimming gasms or anal gasms from rimming play. Some people use it to warm up other areas or to warm up for more penetrative anal sex. And when I teach my class, I found that the thing that people were most curious about is, one, can you get sick from, from rimming? Two, how do you actually do the thing? Like, do I just put my face in there and like motorboat someone's <laughs> butt or crack? Um, and then also, how do I ask my partner? Like, is this dirty? Are they going to think I'm dirty? Am I going to feel judgmental or judged about it? And to all those questions, I think those are normal questions. We don't hear a lot about oral to anal sex, but really, you know, there it's become more popular because we've seen more pop culture references to it. We've seen articles like Men's Health or Women's Health talking about stuff, but people have been eating each other's butts forever. <laughs> so we're just catching up with some skills. Excuse me, I'm eating a butt right now. She is. She is, everyone. Because <laughs> it was free in the goodie bag. No comment. No, no comment. <laughs> no comment. We're doing this right from a butthole right now. That's why there's an echo. <laughs> So that first question around safety and getting sick. Yes. So, um, you know, if your partner has some kind of gastrointestinal thing going on, you know, if they have an upset tummy, it's probably not the day to do rimming, right? And so the, the bacteria that people are most concerned about is like, am I going to get E. coli from someone's butt? And which makes sense. We, we have all these sanitation and hygiene rules around it that we need to follow in non-erotic context. But in, in a rimming context, as long as someone's not having those, those sort of symptoms, you know, if, if <laughs> you, you could use a barrier. You can use something like a dental dam if, if so if you do want to eat it on an on upset tummy kind of day, or you could just wait. Um, <laughs> you know, do something else. What's your suggestion? Let's just hold off today. I'm going to vote it. for the latter. Yeah. yeah. If it's yeah. a dairy day for me, do not eat my butt. <laughs> Hang on. Do you drink dairy? No. Okay. So then you told us to get you a latte this morning. And I oh. said to Brandon, she must not want a latte. She must want an oat milk latte. But then I was, this is how the oat milk latte French joke came up. Anyhow, that's dairy you're drinking. That's fine. If that's, it's boiled, I'm fine. I don't know why. That's oh, why okay. France came by to talk <laughs> he had, but he had to leave so merci merci encore say butthole butthole <laughs> but butthole can we call you buttholio from now on <laughs> buttholio <laughs> sounds fancy I like it sign me up so you can use a barrier method yes. and also you can wash you can wash. You don't have to do extensive douching. I mean, cleaning the outside of, of your anus after your last bowel movement is, is good enough. You can put uh, the tip of your pinky in there in the shower and just like clean out the initial part. But if you've got a diet that's high in fiber and also you're well hydrated, you're less likely to have particles of poop that are hanging out in your in your rectum. So I think I think mostly, you know, it's, it's understandable. We're worried about poop and we're worried about pleasure, right? The two Ps. The two Ps. Alliteration, man. The third P is please. Please. P's and Q's. P's and Q's. Three P's and a Q. So, okay, so clean up. Consider a barrier method. Yes. Do you, like, use enemas? Do you consider that? You can use an enema if, you, if you'd like to, as long as it's uh, not a solution. The, some solutions are, are really irritating to the delicate lining of, of the rectum. There are some that are, are gentler. I think Dr. Goldstein makes one that, that's gentler, and I've tried it. It's great. You can also use an anal syringe or an enema bulb and just flush the first few inches of your rectum with warm water. And you don't want to go too deep. You're going to give yourself diarrhea. You're going to disturb that next bowel movement. And you don't want to disrupt the natural bacteria of no. the region either, which is why I think you're recommending it 
against solutions. And yeah, Dr. Evan Goldstein has, he's been on the podcast before. So yeah. folks can go check that out. Yeah. Okay. So we've covered the cleanliness part. How do you get over the psychological barrier if your part, cause so the person who wrote in said that her partner is into it and they just wanted to learn more. So if, if you're like, mm, I don't know if I want to put my mouth there or it feels like you're not supposed to, it feels like it's taboo. How do you kind of deal with the psychological piece? Yeah. So for some people as arousal goes up, disgust goes down. Mm. And so things that are gross outside of, of our sexy times become actually erotic and, and we're attracted to it. So I would say get really aroused and maybe even just play with touching the butt. Don't even put your face there. Kiss the butt cheeks. You know, get playful with the area and take it slow. You can do lots of things that still maintain your comfort level. So you might not want to put your tongue in, in someone's butthole. Maybe you're just licking the crack. Maybe you're kissing the top of the crack. Maybe you're uh, dragging your, your tongue over the butthole. So there's there's options for people, but that comfort level should be honored. I don't think it's, you don't have to rush. You don't have to do something you're not comfortable with because if you're not getting pleasure out of giving, it's it's not going to be pleasurable for, for both people. And this is something that just keeps coming up in every single conversation. If you want to shed shame, if you want to get more comfortable, if you want to enjoy something, if you want to be better at it, get yourself aroused. Do what genuinely feels good. So you mentioned that disgust levels tend to decline with arousal levels. And again, and I talk about this all the time, oxytocin, adrenaline, norepinephrine, flooding the body changes the way we see things. And uh, I think we spoke about it recently, how enthusiasm is such a key ingredient to enjoying sex, but also to attraction. Like your partner is more attracted to you when you're enthusiastic. Your partner is going to enjoy it more when you're enthusiastic. They're going to deem your skills more adept when you're enthusiastic. And there is no way to get enthusiastic that compares to just getting yourself turned on. Make this about you. Wear a toy, touch yourself, fantasize, tell your partner to go down on you first. Do whatever it takes to get yourself aroused. And then whether you're eating a butthole or watching a show together or climbing on top and riding it, you're gonna enjoy it so much more. Okay, I love that. Now, because we said we wouldn't keep you long and folks, we've gotta get to another session here. What are some techniques people should consider for rimming? Yes, I really, I teach about 10 different techniques in, in my webinar, but one of my favorite ones is to make out with the butthole. So you are gonna take your lips and make them nice and wet, or you're gonna add some lube to, to the butthole. There's some great flavored lubes. That you can eat a pink lemonade butthole if, if you want to. We live in a great time. If you could choose any flavored butthole, what would it be? Pink lemonade. That's a Wicked brand, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that one. You, babe? So I'm feeling that, because, and I'll tell you why. Because lately, I drink those flavored shots in my bubbly water. So I've been drinking this pink lemonade one, you know, by coincidence. So yeah, sure. Listen, I'd love to eat a pink lemonade butt. Sounds great. Maybe some watermelon. Ooh, watermelon. 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 Yeah. Mine's going to be a tempranillo. <laughs> I want a red somebody wine. somebody was going to say want they wanted chocolate. I want a red. No, I don't want chocolate butthole. Why? You can eat the chocolate starfish. No, because the brown is going to, it's going to freak me out. It's going to freak. I got to learn to handle my brown. <laughs> uh, always a scotch reference. Always, always a scotch, scotch reference. Okay. So, and what else? What else can they be doing? Okay. You can also take your tongue and lap up that butthole. So you're licking from the bottom of the butthole with a flat tongue, pressing, putting pressure against the anus, and then ending up at the, the top of the butthole. So all that pressure inwards is also engaging the nerve endings. It feels great because there's more surface area. It's a broader stroke for people. And then another tip I think is is really fun is to just kind of take your tongue and, and play with it. So circle the butthole. I'm doing, I'm doing 
doing a circle motion now, everyone, <laughs> with my face. <laughs> You're going to circle the butthole. And, um, and then get your tongue into those little folds. And so tickle those little folds and watch how they open up with, with your touch. They're going to fill up with blood flow. They're going to become even more sensation rich. I love that. Almost like kind of tracing petals around yes. that middle area. Yes. And anything you can do with your tongue, you can also do with your fingers. Absolutely. Right? You can so, do it with your chin. Oh, wow. I don't know. I feel like my chin is, how do I get my chin in there? I don't want your chin in there, uh, Brennan. Get out of here with your scratchy chin. chin. Uh, scratchy. You scratchy. know what? I have a solution for that. We're going to put some silicone on your chin. Just and it's thinking, gonna make a little barrier. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. On your dick beard. On your, On dick, your dick beard. beard. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I I have a question. We've been talking about techniques, but how about for people who haven't ever done it before? What and you know don't know how to introduce it to their partner, and they want to have they want to throw it out there, and it's something. Let's say I'm interested in. Jess isn't. We've never had this conversation. Do you have a suggestion for a line or a a, a verbal cue to introduce it for the first time? Or a greeting card. If you know a greeting card line that says, "Can I eat your butt?" God, we should make those cards. You. Maybe. You should make, make those them. cards, I'll not me. <laughs> well, but Holio here has a, a whole like brand. <laughs> I love the new names I've been given to. Francois, Butholio. Dick Beard. Um, Dick Beard. <laughs> I think if when you want to bring something up with your partner, sometimes there's a feeling of obligation by the receiving partner. So just because we talk about it means that we have to do it. And so if you bring it up with a, a an air of, of curiosity, so something like, hey, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about eating ass. Like, how do you how do you feel about that? Have you ever done that? Do you have a reaction to that? And whatever your partner's reaction is, is fine. Because sometimes people need a time to digest, to think about it. And so having a no pressure conversation about your feels can also just help you open up more understanding about your desires, about other things you want to do. So they might say, no, I never thought about you eating my butt, but I want to eat your butt. Hmm, that could get interesting. And, and again, I think all of these things could also inspire or lead to other conversations about other types of pleasure too, right? It's like, no, I haven't thought about that, but you know, I'd be interested in maybe getting a finger in my butt. Maybe let's start there. Yeah. Right? Yes. And I would say a lot of people will start with their hands and yes. a toy before they go to their mouth. So I think that if you're brand new to butt play, this might be like the third step or the 30th step as opposed to the very first. Yeah. Yeah, and some people feel that it's very taboo, and so that that's exciting. That's like, oh yeah, let's like start with some external play, maybe even holding a vibrator against the butthole and seeing how good that feels, and then watching your partner respond to that pleasure. I think it can be really important, like as a trust building activity too, for folks who are brand new to to anything anal, to promise that you're only going to play externally to begin with, like just building up the pressure of taking your middle finger and pressing it on the butthole really gently and releasing. First of all, that's so pleasurable for so many people like during intercourse or during oral or during solo play and just playing externally so you get used to the sensation. I think the big thing with anal is everybody thinks they need to go like for the grand slam immediately and everyone wants to stick basically a dick in the butt. And there's so much more you can do besides just the penis or just the tongue. There's all these other layers. So we encourage people to take their time. Definitely recommend you go back and listen to to a couple of the anal sex podcasts. And of course, if you want to learn more and more about, what is it? Eating the butthole like a champ? No. Uh, eat booty like a champ. Eat booty like a champ, Luna. You're at lunamatatas.com. Maybe we can beg you for like a podcast discount code or something. Oh yeah, I can definitely do that. In that class, you'll also hear about my rimmingasm where it felt like someone was licking my clit through my butthole. So oh. you will learn to do that. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to just put it out there. Code Dr. Jess. Okay. Perfect. At lunamatadas.com just on that one course. 
and you'll save a few. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm back. Merci, Luna. That was wonderful. I loved it. It was. I look forward to play, playing with the bomb hole tonight. Merci Encore. beaucoup à tout le monde. Encore. Merci tout le monde. Merci beaucoup. Merci. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.